Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's the 27th of August. The evacuation of Afghanistan continues, but there are just a whole lot of other things that are going on. And so I want to start off by talking about the Supreme Court. Supreme Court has actually dealt the Biden administration two blows. Um, one of them um, is a stay on his eviction moratorium by the CDC. They found, uh, as expected, because if you remember, um, this turned back in in June on the on. Uh, um, I believe it's Kavanaugh, but don't quote me on that. Um, siding with the majority in that since the eviction moratorium was going to go ahead and end, that there was no reason to end it with the court because it's already scheduled in July 31st. However, um, in in his concurrence with the with the majority, he said that. Only because it was ending, because Congress needed to act. It was not something that the executive branch could do on its own. Well, same groups sued, emergency appeal, ultimately the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled 6-3 that the executive branch and the CDC did not have the authority to put a stay on evictions or a moratorium on evictions. And so, thankfully, the Supreme Court did realize that, yes, private property is still a thing in the United States. And because of that, some executive branch uh, pencil pusher had no authority to just rule by fiat. But speaking about the cases uh, surrounding the Supreme Court, also, um, and I've mentioned this not, I don't think, in the uh, podcast, but um, on other postings, that the Supreme Court also ruled that the President Trump's remain in Mexico policy needed to be put back in effect that that uh, that those suing the government uh, proved sufficient standing and likelihood of their case being successful that no more are well the court said that they need to go back to the remain in Mexico. Um, agreement that President Trump had made. Now, of course, this agreement was one of the first things that uh, that uh, Chairman Joe, President Chairman Joe, had ripped ripped up uh, when he went in office. Um, and then, of course, with the debacle at the border, we find that you know what was Chairman Joe's excuse? Well. President Trump had taken down all the apparatus for processing these people. Well, 
he took it down because it wasn't necessary any longer. He took it down because the Remain in Mexico agreement was working. So these are two blows. But while we're talking about courts, um, some very interesting things are coming out. The, the Capitol Police officer who killed uh, a, a female Air Force veteran during the Capitol riots on January 6th did an inter interview with NBC News where he said that he acted very bravely and that because he shot an unarmed protester, he saved countless lives. Now, remember, all the protests from 2020, um, you know, stemming actually back to, if you remember uh, Michael Brown uh, in Ferguson, Missouri, Black Lives Matter kind of got its start with him. The police officer was attacked by Michael Brown. Michael Brown went for the police officer's gun, had no choice but to shoot him. And for that, we got hands up, don't shoot. Ashley Babbitt was coming through a window, unarmed. Of course, we can take it face value that the police officer said that he didn't know she was unarmed. But what we do know is that for all the bluster that we're hearing about what happened on January 6th, we have relatively few injuries. The only fatality was one of the protesters. Ashley Babbitt. The police officer, without any immediate threat to his life or person, shot and killed her. I want you to think about that for a moment. Darren Wilson was the police officer in the Ferguson event with Michael Brown. His life was being threatened by this hulking young man who was reaching for his gun. He shot him. And because he shot him, we have the Black Lives Matter movement. Because Michael Brown was unarmed, technically. However, he was actually reaching for the gun. And this is no less than, than uh, Barack Obama's uh, Attorney General, Eric Holder. The Department of Justice did an investigation of what happened at Ferguson. And they found that Officer Wilson was justified in what he did. That this was not a case of purely just a white officer shooting an innocent, non-threatening black person. Eric Holder found that. Ashley Babbitt was killed while she was not threatening this officer. 
and no charges filed. Not even some sort of an involuntary manslaughter charge or something like that. Completely justified. Amazing. But while we're talking about January 6th, that'll be the last thing before we go to break. Um, as some of those trials or the motions, upcoming motions for trials coming are coming forth, we're finding out that prosecution has admitted that there is video footage of Capitol Police officers high-fiving and fist-bumping the protesters as they came into the Capitol. There's also video footage of Capitol Police officers moving the barriers out of the way so that the protesters could come in. That kind of video doesn't bode well for a prosecution of an insurrection. Now, many of these heads of the Capitol Police Department have stated under oath the threats, the violence of the insurrection, they call it. Of course, we can never call it again after what happened in Kabul. None of the people involved in the riots on January 6th are going to be charged with insurrection. None of the people are going to be charged with treason. Most likely, the worst case scenarios will be trespassing in a restricted area. And considering that some of those people have been sitting in jail with no bail for months, that's pathetic. What else is on the video footage? There are thousands and thousands of hours of cameras documenting what happened on January 6th. Why is the Capitol Police and Nancy Pelosi, the speaker who is over that, why are they holding that back? Fist bumping, high fiving, welcoming them into the Capitol building. That's a far different picture than what the the titular heads of the Capitol Police testified on. Will we ever know the truth? We don't know. And I'll be right back. And we're back. I had mentioned previously about COVID and about studies in the United States on what impact natural immunity has on COVID and the various variants that are coming through. I pointed out a study that was done in Israel where if you had been vaccinated which Israel, by the way, countries with one of the largest percentages of its population vaccinated in the world, 
that you were seven times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID if you were vaccinated compared to if you'd already had COVID. If you'd already had COVID, you were far less likely to get COVID again or, better said, have symptoms that would require a visit to the hospital. If you're vaccinated, seven times more likely. So my question is, why is it? And this is what makes me think that all of this is about power more than it is about the disease, the masks, the vaccine, etc. Is that they flat out deny any kind of natural built immunities from someone who has had COVID before. And this is especially important as we're getting ready to talk about mandating vaccines for employment, for going into, it's already happening in New York, but as soon as the feds can figure out a way that they can do it, they will. If they refuse to acknowledge that natural immunities come from having the disease, or even commission a study on it. I mean, there have been studies done, by the way, in the United States, studies which have indicated that 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 once you've had COVID, that you have actually a lot of uh, immunities built up to uh, um, uh, future severe um, events with it. Those studies are minimized and squashed. Studies which indicate that children wearing masks is, is a travesty. Also minimized. But what do we see in Portland? Now you have to wear, or Oregon, now you have to wear masks outside as well. Remember, I believe it was in Oregon where that uh, uh, track uh, competitor died last spring wearing a mask while she was running. But no matter. Again, the Snake River Lib has not said that you should not wear a mask. In fact, Snake River Lib would even go a step further and say that if a private business requests that you wear a mask, that you actually do so unless you have very strong reasons why you shouldn't. And perhaps those reasons are such that maybe you need to be shopping elsewhere. A private business has a right to determine who comes in and who doesn't. A school district can say, well, we want to wear masks because we don't want to have the state breathing down our back about having in school. You know what? If, if all it takes is wearing masks indoors, more power to them. Not the governor. And by the way, that goes for the same for governors who say that nobody can have a mask mandate. 
I believe that's beyond their scope, and it's certainly beyond the scope of the federal government, with the exception of, sadly enough, um, mass transit trains and aircraft. But until we actually have a discussion about natural immunities from having had the disease, all of this can only be seen in the light of a conquest for power. And that the lib will stand against, as it has even before all the civil liberties people woke up. Now for that, I'll be considered somebody that's a mass denier, which if you watch me when I go to Walmart, because Walmart has a sign that says that we request you wear one regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not, the business asks that I wear one, I'm going to wear one, period. It's not hard. I'm not a mass denier. I'm certainly not a vaccine denier. In fact, I've been out there saying all along that people need to get vaccinated. But again, without studies proving that natural va natural immunities developed from having had COVID don't work, the fact that we don't mention it says what it's all about, power. With terrorism blooming in Afghanistan now that we've ceded control and we can't even really control the airport now, it's up to the Taliban, who, by the way, let the ISIS-K people through, uh, the ones that were responsible for the bombing and the killing of 13 Marines and dozens of other people. Everybody says that the Taliban and ISIS-K are mortal enemies. Well, Apparently, there's a mortal enemy greater to both of them, and that's us. The Lib has, has never said we shouldn't get out of Afghanistan. In fact, as when the Lib first started in print, questions started to arise about our continuous wars and our lack of authorization for those wars. So... On one hand, I'm saying, yes, we should have followed the president's timeline, President Trump, that is. In fact, as soon as President Biden set a new date, everything that President Trump had, you know, President Trump was absolved of any tactical errors any strategic errors in Afghanistan. <laughs> President Trump had made a deal with the Taliban. And guess what? You have to make deals with bad people. That happens. Of course, as Americans, we're always helpful, including the fact that we gave the Taliban a list of Americans that we believe are still in the country, as well as the number of people that we are hoping to get, uh, Afghan natives, that we want to get to the airport so we can evacuate them. Now, the Taliban's not stupid. They're taking passports away from Americans, and then they sit and they say, 
we will let anyone with an American passport through. So who knows who's actually going through with the U.S. passports. What we do know is that the United States government, the State Department, gave the Taliban a hit list. For all those Afghanis that we wanted to get out, they're now marked. Good call. I wanted to just finish up talking a little bit. It's I don't want to go to uh, a whole religious nature too much, um, but Jason Whitlock, I'm going to put a link in the description for the podcast. Uh, Jason Whitlock wrote a, a, an, an article this past week for The Blaze. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's a lot of what the political left supports is satanic. Now, I will say personally that that according to my beliefs as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, according to doctrine, um, plan that Satan had when he was Lucifer had presented was that all of us would be saved. And because of that, he should receive the glory. But he wanted to take away our agency so that we had no choice in anything. Now, does that sound familiar? Because it should, because the left, for all their speech of tolerance, the left is all about no choices. Communists are all about dictating what you do. Or perhaps I should say Marxist because, you know, some communist uh, uh, theorist um, espoused a much more open communal setting than what Marx did. So I'll say Marxist, which, by the way, is the foundation of Black Lives Matter, uh, which is the foundation of Antifa. Um, And Jason Whitlock really hits a home run talking about some of these things. I mean, for example, with Black Lives Matter, you, 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 you want to talk about police shooting blacks or the incarceration of blacks. Fine. But you know what else we should talk about? We should talk about the fact that, that 70% of black babies are born out of wedlock. And that's after, by the way, 50% of black pregnancies in an abortion. So 70% of black pregnancies that end up with a birth are born with no father in the home. And we're, and we're told that it's racist to, to see that and say that's a problem. That's a cultural thing, they say. It's a bad cultural thing, and it's not it's not um, historical. During the height of Jim Crow, during the height of discrimination, during the height of the Klan, more white babies were born out of wedlock than black babies. It's worth a read. Um, it is uh, satanic. The left 
on many ways when you consider Satan from the point of view that I started with. So it's the Snake River Lib. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you another time. Oh, taxation is theft.